Last week, uh, when Reed left off, uh, we were at Acts, Acts chapter 5. Uh, the angels had just let, an angel had come uh, to the prison and, and let him out. And then Reed shared his story, and that, that, that story was just, I don't know, my wife and I talked about that afterwards, uh, the story on the, on the boat. That was just really encouraging. And, and, and just interesting how God does things so subtly they wouldn't even know it until two weeks later. <laughs> yeah, he's, our God is amazing. Okay. The apostles, of course, uh, I'm sure after... Well, an angel had let you out of jail. You might have known. You might have had some direction in your life. <laughs> you knew what you were supposed to do the next day. The angel even told you what you were supposed to do. So all twelve apostles, they go and they go right back to what they were doing before they were arrested. They go right back and start preaching, start teaching in the temple, and God won't be stopped by men. Or their plot. The plots of men aren't going to stop God's will. And however He chooses to do it, He's going to let. He's going to. He's going to keep the word going forth. Verse. Unaware, the high priest and the elders called the council together with all the elders of Israel, all the all the big shots of Jerusalem, all the leaders, all the religious leaders, all the rich rich people that were on the council, all these men, Pharisees, Sadducees, everybody. They've gathered them all together again. It's it's looking like it's looking like Jesus' crucifixion all over. Uh, they're in jail, but this time it's going to be a little different. <laughs> it's not going to go that way, and, and God's in control. And they wait. The officers are sent to the prison, and. I know John used to work in the prison industry. What would that be like if they sent, uh, sent the officers went to the jail and the guy that was supposed to, they're going to have the trial for, he's not in there. What would that do at the jail? What, what would that be like? Would that be a little bit confusing and uh, people would be a little upset about that, wouldn't they? Where is this? Where, and there's 12 guys. They're not at the jail. And everything doesn't look like anybody broke out. Well, where are they? And they tell the chief priests, and they're like, what's going to happen? What's going on? I mean, God is humbling these guys again. He's, he's wanting them to see. He's wanting them to... He's still reaching out to them, even though he knows their hearts are hard. And he already knows how they're going to respond. He's still reaching out. Finally, someone goes, the guys that... You know, you would put in prison. They're in the temple. They're preaching, teaching the people. And the high priests, they're already really angry. They, they go send these guys. They go send them and they, they take them from the people. Now, there must have been large crowds. I mean, they probably had been at the temple for hours. So they'd probably been there since first light. And all these people, they are... The people are hearing the word, and they're afraid to take these guys out violently like they usually do. So they just say, probably, come on, why don't you guys come with us? Come with us to jail. Come with us to, you know, I don't know how you got out of jail, but, you know, it's, it's okay. Just come to the council. Come to the council. So, <laughs> so they do. 
So here come the apostles. They're, they're still, they've been preaching. They're full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, an, angel, an angel has just let them out of prison. And the high priests. God is, God is telling the high priests, please, these guys are doing what I want. Leave them alone. And they're not listening. Verse 27 says, we, tri- we strictly charged you. Now, if you remember back uh, a few weeks ago, after the, the healing of, of the lame man at the temple, they, they let him go. After they strictly said, don't preach anymore. Don't preach about Jesus anymore. Don't proclaim in his name anymore. They were released with a warning. It's kind of like, you know, getting off on a, on a warning with your, with, your, with your speeding ticket. You were released with a warning. Instead, it says, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. They're, they're going to, the high priests, you did the opposite of what we said. And now, now you're going to pay. You know, we warned you once, this is it. I mean, this, how, how many of us are talking openly of Jesus now when, when really it doesn't cost us that much? It might cost us people liking us. It might, it might cost you a promotion. It, could, it might cost you some, some people talking about you behind your back. How many, how many, how many of us would do this if we... Uh, we could go to jail. If we could, be, we could suffer, would you be sharing the gospel still? They were. And they knew exactly what could happen. Uh, and they were willing to pay the price. The high priest says, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So not only are you not doing what we want, you're wanting the people to hold us responsible for Jesus' death. Now let's, let's remember this. These are the same guys that killed Jesus, that, that convinced the Romans to kill him, that pushed Pilate to crucify him. These are the same men. They're standing where Jesus stood. They're probably standing in the same building, Sitting, standing in front of the same seats, wherever the, the high priest sat. These are the same guys. So this is really personal. This isn't, a, this isn't a religious discussion or disagreement. These guys have blood on their hands. And you guys are, and they're accusing the apostles. They're out there trying to kill us. I mean, these guys, all they can think about is their life. They can only think about their position. They can only think about their neck. These men, they aren't true servants of God. You intend to bring this man blood upon us. These are the guys that spit on Jesus. These are the guys that said, put a, put a hood over his head and, and hit him and said, prophesy, who struck you? These are the guys that beat him. These are the men also that Jesus called broods of vipers. 
whitewashed tombs. These are these same men. So now there's going to be a confrontation. A really intense confrontation. I mean, I, I try to put myself, you know, at least as a fly on the wall. I don't know if I want to be one of the apostles standing there. I don't, I'm not a person that likes confrontation. These are men that would have no problem condemning innocent men to death. They already have. They crucified our Lord of glory. What is Peter and John's response? They didn't negotiate. They didn't say, uh, uh, can I have a lawyer? <laughs> they didn't attempt. They didn't attempt to, to, to sugarcoat anything. They didn't attempt to, uh, well, let's, you know, let's talk about this a little bit. You know? they, knew, they knew what they were facing. And what, what did they say? The same thing they said before. We ought to obey, obey God rather than men. In saying this, now this is, remember, this is the high priest. This isn't a pastor. This isn't anyone. This is the, the high priest is the person that is, he's the head person of the Jewish religion. He's in charge of the temple. They're, saying, he, they're telling him, you aren't speaking for God. You are not working for God. You aren't listening to God. You are not following God when they say this. So it's not just a little thing. They're essentially telling the high priest that he is not, he's not one of God's followers. He is not serving the true God. Because look what they say. They say, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered and hung on a tree. They're already... They're, they're driving, they drive the knife farther in. These guys are already worried about having, being, being held responsible for the death of Jesus. And, and to, their, to their face, they say, you killed him. You murdered him. You hung him on the tree. Right to their face. And, th- and think about the scene. I mean, it's, it's not some intimate thing. There's dozens of men, powerful men, standing around, and they're accusing these guys, these, the high priest in front of everybody. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of the prophets, he is the one that raised up Jesus, they, these men are saying. The true God raised up Jesus. The God you, you say you're following, he's the one that raised up Jesus. Not only did he raise him up, he didn't just raise him up, he exalted him to the right hand to be Prince and Savior, Jesus, whom you crucified. This Jesus, God himself raised him up. Not only, Jesus is the one, he said to these same men, when when he asked them if he was the Christ, he said, I am and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Jesus, Jesus said the same thing to these guys. And now it's done. And, the, and they're proclaiming it. 
Verse 31 calls, they say Jesus is a Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. God, once again, is giving these men a chance to repent. Everyone in this council, all the leaders of Israel, everyone is there. God is saying, repent. Repent. Even though you killed him, God is granting you repentance. Repent. On the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Doesn't say any. Doesn't the Bible doesn't mention that anyone responded to this? To this, these men were still blind. It reminds me of the story of Pharaoh. Time after time, God is saying, "Let my people go," and He won't do it. Egypt is being destroyed by plagues, and He still, He know, He still is resisting the Holy Spirit. Further on in Acts, when Stephen's going to preach to them, they're going to get it again. He'll call them stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, always resisting the Holy Spirit. And we are witnesses to these things. We saw they saw Jesus crucified by your hand. We saw him resurrected. We testify that Jesus is the Savior of Israel. We are 12 eyewitnesses. So all 12 of these men witnessed it all. They saw him crucified. They saw him rise after he was risen. Now, you and I can't say we're eyewitnesses. We have believed based on what the apostles saw. We are those of who it says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's us. We are those having whom you have not seen, you love, and rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So we are his witnesses. Not in the, not in the sense of these guys' work, because they actually saw it. We are witnesses in the sense that we believe what they said, and we are testifying of it. But there's more. We have more than just that. Just believing. What the what? We have far more than that. Just than what people can say. People can discount your word. They can discount your life. They can discount your thoughts. They can discount your truth. If you only have your words and your witness just with your mouth, that's not enough. We you need that, but that is not enough. That is why our second witness is the most important. It says, You have a second witness standing with you, upholding you, empowering you, comforting you, and leading you. We are his witnesses, and so is the Holy Spirit. He is the witness to the gospel. This is the part that we can't program, we can't educate, we can't receive knowledge of. This is the part that we don't have 
power over. We have power over our will. We have power over our tongue. We have power over our thoughts. We have power over our actions. The Holy Spirit, we do not have power over. And He is our second witness. And He is the one that we need. Jesus said, It is expedient that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. He is the comforter, the helper, the one who brings conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment, the one that performs signs and miracles among you, the one who, through whom the gifts of the Spirit operate, and through whom the, the fruit of the Spirit grows. He is the one that will lead you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit is the mark of God's favor, the mark of God's true servants. The difference between professors and possessors. And that, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. Holy Spirit is what makes us different than all the other religions of the world. Otherwise, we're just arguing about stuff. Religious stuff. Tossing it back and forth. Without the Holy Spirit, a person can't be saved. Without the Holy Spirit, a person can't be sanctified. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. I think, I think back when I grew up, and I grew up going to church, a bunch of different kinds of churches as a kid, and that was the difference I th- in my life. I didn't, I mean, I knew all the, I knew all the stuff, but God's spirit wasn't in me, and I just I saw, I saw people I saw some people that actually were different, and I realized that I didn't have that, and that's when I accepted the Lord. And you can, our kids can grow up in church, and they can, we can train them to say all the right things. And they can tell you even how to be saved. But until you see the Holy Spirit operating in their life, they really aren't His. And they, they really need Jesus. Verse 32 continues, it says... Whom God has given to those who obey him. That's a pretty simple statement. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. Peter told the religious leaders that they weren't following God based on the fact that they had not been given the Holy Spirit. That doesn't what would you say? You don't have the Holy Spirit. You aren't really following God. God marks those who are His by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance until the purchased possession. It's a down payment of our, our inheritance in heaven. It's a mark that you belong to God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. I mean, this, is, this isn't earth-breaking stuff. It's very simple. 
but we, we get lost in our we get lost in church and we get lost in Christianity. If you, if you have the Holy Spirit and you, you belong to God and you're His. Later on in Acts, the Gentiles are going to receive the gospel at Cornelius at the centurion's house. This is how the Jews were convinced the Gentiles could be saved. It wasn't because the Gentiles affirmed or confessed that Jesus was Lord. It was because of the Holy Spirit. Peter, recounting what happened to the Jews in Jerusalem, said, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent and glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance unto life. Sometimes we're too quick to proclaim people, to proclaim that people are saved. We're too quick. Because we, you know, like with our kids, we really want them to be saved. And the minute they pray something, you're like, oh good, they're saved now. But this is, this is, not, our, this is not a religious thing. This is, a, this is our life. Christianity is meant to be real. It's not something that's just in our heads. It's something that God is doing. And it's real. It's, 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 this is, the Holy Spirit is real. And he wants to empower all of us. And he wants to fill all of us to overflowing. Because really, we can't do what the Bible says without the Holy Spirit. We cannot be witnesses without the Holy Spirit. We are his witnesses, and so is the Holy Spirit. I mean, we like to think we're out there working for God. But it really, God's just, he's, he's the one doing the work through us and we need to let God do what God does and we do what we do we shouldn't be wondering about where the Holy Spirit is in our life I mean the Bible tells us to search yourself see if you be in the faith we need to examine ourselves are we quenching the Holy Spirit in our life? I mean, do I feel close to God? Do, am, I, am I allowing the Lord to have control of my, my life? Because the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey Him. After confronting these guys face to face, Eye to eye, they don't back up. The Holy Spirit leads what they say. What is their response? It's not good. 
Did they repent? Did they say we were wrong? They didn't, did they? Instead, they were furious and plotted to kill them. The apostles were standing right where Jesus stood, awaiting death. All right, they, just like Jesus, they, 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 Jesus said he was God, and they, they said, what more do we need of witnesses? Crucify him. Kill him. We don't need any, any more testimony. Kill him. That's where they are. This, the same evil, resistance to God, rises up in, this, in, these, in these leaders, and they are plotting to how we're going to. In their minds, they're saying, How are we going to kill these men? We're going to kill them. Just like Pharaoh. Just like the kings of Israel that didn't listen to the prophets. Just like their fathers before them. Like Jesus told them, You're just like your fathers before them before you who killed the prophets but now you build them nice tombs you're just like your fathers and so are these guys so this could have been the end but just like Jesus when they took up stones to stone him he, and then he just walked through the crowd God's still in control he is still Lord and this time, he, rises, he raises up the most respected rabbi in Israel, Gamaliel, or Gamaliel. This, this man's word, everyone took as gospel. He was the most respected teacher in Israel. He had a special title. He was beyond a rabbi. He was like an exalted, the exalted rabbi. He intervenes. God moves on his heart to intervene. And he didn't. He, and he's not a believer. He convinced them not to kill them. He tells them some story, some stories about these men in the past who came to nothing because God wasn't really with them. And what he, he explains to them: if God is with this, you can't, you can't stop it. You think they would know that already? The angel already let them out of jail. <laughs> they, 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 you'd think they would understand that, but th- this guy they'll actually listen to. He convinced them not to kill them, but to release them. I don't care what your situation is. God has all the resources of heaven to deliver you. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter how big it is, how small it is, how complicated. God has a myriad of ways to deliver you. So don't be afraid. These guys were looking in the face of death, and they weren't afraid. He'll rescue you just in time. He's not late. You might not get what you want all the time, but you will get what you need. He will give you what you need each day. In each situation, He will deliver you.
Well, they, they, they only got off with a beating. <laughs> they, he, he, he got them talked down from killing them to just beating them severely. So, so he, he did accomplish something. I, I mean, those weren't beatings like, they weren't the spanking you might give your child. Those were, those were a real beating. A real beating. But what was their response to that? When you, they, were, they rejoiced because they suffered for the name of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with suffering for the name of Jesus. It, those are the things. Those are the things that keep us from reaching out, and doing what God wants in our life. Those are the things that that keep us from maybe talking to that person at work, or from maybe. Raising your kids differently than everybody else. Uh, those are the things that, that keep us from stepping out and, do, and following Jesus completely a lot of times is fear of suffering. What this story is telling you is God has your life. He has your life. Just, just obey. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. The Holy Spirit will give you the grace and the power to get through it. Then afterwards, you're going to rejoice. Even if your, your back is sore and your gut wounds, physical or, or emotional, from doing the will of God, you are going to rejoice because you suffered for His name's sake. So don't don't hold back. Don't be afraid. Lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight the paths of your feet. If you're struggling today, just get up. God will, God will strengthen your ankles and your knees. Just get back up and, and walk again. Keep following God. Keep Keep rejoicing. Keep going forward. And that's what they did. They, they, they were beaten, and they just went right back to the temple <laughs> and kept on doing what they were doing. I, I just want to encourage you all that God has you in the palm of His hand. He has your life. You don't have to be afraid of anything. The only thing you need to fear is God. And that's it. That's all I have today. Thanks, David. Let's pray, and you'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for thank you for this um, amazing story. And um, Father, I pray that you would do the work in our hearts that we would so treasure Jesus, um, which is is a work and a gift of your Spirit to really love Him and treasure Him and be so in awe of Him that we live all out for His namesake and count everything else as loss for the sake of knowing Him 
And so I pray that you would do the work in our hearts to transform us and um, make us more like these early disciples who were filled with your spirit and filled with a sense of purpose and mission. And it centered around Christ. It did not center around how they could make life more comfortable and how they could sail with greater ease in this world. But it was centered on Christ. And Father, each person here has a stewardship, has a calling from you in life. There's common ones that we all share as dads and moms and husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, etc. But then each one here has a unique calling that you have on them. And I pray that you'd give them courage to live faithfully and boldly. Would you all just stand with me here? Just stand and... and, uh, you know, this morning, if you find yourself just in a, like David was encouraging us, you find yourself in a tough place, squeezed and anxious and fearful about what tomorrow holds or what this next month or these next three months or this next year holds for you. If that describes you, I want to encourage you just to just to put your hands out before the Lord and receive from Him all the resources. He, there's nothing magical about putting your hands out. You don't have to do that, but just a posture of receiving from Him. And then the rest of us who have callings from God to in, in business and um, in our families. And beyond that, we have callings from God to magnify the name of Christ wherever we are. So that would include everyone else. Put your hands out as well. Father, you can use angels to deliver us. You can use smart but wicked men to deliver us. You can use other miraculous means. You can use very common, ordinary ways to deliver us. However you see fit, I pray that you would give all the resources needed for those here today who find themselves, it feels like they are about ready to die perhaps, emotionally, psychologically. I pray that you would encourage them today that you are the God with all things in your hands. The world is yours, the fullness thereof, the the earth and all who dwell in it. It all belongs to you. And God, you work on behalf of those who wait for you. So I pray that you just would give deep, deep encouragement that you are working on their behalf today. And God, each one of us, as we go out of this place, that we would leave, like these disciples who had their backs shredded open with the severe beating, and they just went back to the temple day after day and proclaimed Christ. I pray each one of us, as we leave this place, wounded and all, as we all are, 
some way, in some ways, I pray that we would go with joy and rejoicing, proclaiming Christ, our Savior, our Lord. In Jesus' name.